0: Now recording.
1: Wait, what? God, you could have warned me next time.
0: That's uh, Craig? Yeah, that's Craig.
1: <laughs> yeah. I was like, wait. I heard that sound. I was like, wait, what the heck is happening? Somebody's hacking us or something? DDoS attack?
2: We're in the Matrix. <laughs> <laughs> is that part of the recording? Yeah, this is recording.
3: Yeah, this is basically no, no, Craig. Is
2: that going to be in the recording? It will be, yeah,
3: yeah but I, I I can cut it off.
2: You might as well keep it now. He reacted to it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. That's a nice intro. Yeah, exactly. Welcome. 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 Welcome to Cybercast.
3: <laughs> All right, and we're back. This is Cybercast 099. We have one more to go before we hit the big 100, guys. Yeehaw. Woo.
4: <laughs> All right.
0: We made it. <laughs> I'm Clay. I'm Ty. I'm Tosh, and I'm Dick.
3: And welcome to Cybercast. Uh, this week, um, we have a few topics that we would like to discuss. Let's start off with Samsung and their foldable phone, <laughs> guys. I know, I know. In our uh, in our WhatsApp discussion, uh, Dick said that it's uh, it's. He, you think it's exciting, Dick?
2: Yeah, I think anything new is exciting. I mean, I remember a day <clears throat> when phones used to be like unique. And you had like a lot of choices. Now you you have like an iPhone or flagship Android, mm-hmm. which is usually Galaxy, right. whatever number is hot. Right. And that's all you see now. It really has gotten to a point where I hardly see any other unique phone. So seeing something like this, I think it just reminds the phone industry that there's more to a phone than this brick we're holding yeah this little slab we're holding in our hands
3: right Mm -hmm. Hmm. what do you think uh i know you know Ty Ty, this is your uh, your one of your favorite companies samsung what do you think
1: (laughs) (laughs) why is it one of my favorite companies it's one of my favorite companies (laughs) because i'm an android user
3: (laughs) don't you like samsung devices oh who said that you used to at least
1: yeah i had the nexus and the note three uh Right now, I'm using
3: a OnePlus. So, mm. what were you saying about about the Samsung phone? Uh,
1: yeah, I'm not a lover, but um, you didn't start with the fact that they release five phones.
3: Well, the thing is that they, they, that's what they do. They do they always release a whole <laughs> bunch of phones, right? And the, one of the, the one of the five phones is not even coming out yet. Till what, like? A couple of months from now right yeah that that's of the five what is it five samsung 5g or
1: 5g something yeah
3: i mean it it, like marcus Brownlee said on his um on his uh channel that he got to see the phone but it wasn't on he wasn't able to touch Mm. it and it's like why why are we even talking about it (laughs) yeah so i'm not going to mention it because (laughs) <laughs> why are we yeah. talking about it yeah but but
1: in terms of like the folding phone i i, I think it's a refreshing look on the future yeah you know, is it a great product no but it is the first product
2: why not you know? it, 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 it's bad it got bad reviews i, I haven't seen oh no, 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 no
3: it's not even really out yet it's and not like going it, to come out till april i think it's just that okay. it has been announced
1: yeah but it, the april is right right what right. Right. Well, oh, i'm right. saying but right. no
3: one's gonna know if it's bad till april is what i mean yeah
1: hmm. no I'm a, but what i mean is like is it like you know the feeling you get with the uh, newest iphone or the newest galaxy s10 is it like ooh, wow <laughs> it, uh, to me personally not yet mm. but you know it's very interesting uh what they created you know and especially seeing the who released a video of it the
3: tcl right i i don't know who who released any i am well
1: <laughs> there was a different company that showed a folding phone of the, like basically the same concept was it wasn't like it wi- com- wi- huawei no oh, i don't okay. believe it was huawei it might have been but i'm not too sure on that yeah. but that looked crazy but this k- kind of looks elegant you know the thing is that like when Maybe it folds
3: it when it folds i would like like yeah okay we need to we need to start somewhere but like when it folds it folds to like a brick like a giant thing it's not elegant it's not like you know what i mean like that's that's kind of what i am i again yeah we we need to start big? somewhere it it, well, it looks kind of like a, it looks like a taco when it's folded you know it looks
1: kind of like i saw it in the hand of the dj I don't know what his name is, the CEO. Mm-hmm. And when I saw it, I thought,
2: that thing actually looks kind of small. Yeah, that's okay. what I thought, too. Like a phone in a case. Not in a case, it probably would look terrible. <laughs> <laughs> can you put a case on it? You I, I don't know, man. Foldable case? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs>
1: well, like, like, folding it out, like, like, that looks nice, but, like, it, the phone portion... Like when you're using it as a phone,
0: uh. looks kind of gimped, if you ask me.
1: <laughs> yeah, like right in this age, this age of
0: yeah, in this age of bezels, yeah, yeah. the is kind of a step backward. I, I think also, so. Also, also, the also the tablet sort of mode of it, too, not not the most sleek kind of uh, you it's know kind of edgeless. Sort of the same. yeah exactly but I have I have kind of my my concern with this is that they're going to sort of half force on both the phone side and the tablet side so it's not so that doesn't deliver on either front you know
4: mm-hmm.
0: so right. it's mediocre I'm just, at both yeah
2: I think they just probably need enough people to buy it for it to get better over time
3: it's a
1: lot of money time. though it's who's,
2: like, who's gonna going buy it though for, it's like $1,500 yeah.
3: it? $1, right no
1: it's, it's like 1900 12. something oh, 19... oh 1900 even worse yeah <laughs> no but like for a first product it's basically a proof of concept right which actually mm. works and seeing from the demos it kind of works good good enough right mm.
4: it's
1: mm-hmm. great and like in i believe like in probably four to six years from now we will all be like i want the folding phone
2: no once <laughs> apple does it then everybody will want a folding phone
1: including uh, <laughs> it depends if apple will still be the leading. Uh, company by then, but
2: yeah, you know yeah. what? It's hard to imagine Apple not. But um, yeah, I'm I'm assuming somebody's gonna have to only because Apple is gonna have to mess up or to lose a spot. Like, yeah,
1: I, I get what you say because like Apple is so very dominant and it's making such great products. But look at Microsofts how big they were and how far they've fallen and how yeah. they kind of rose back. And look at a- Apple too, right? There was a time where Apple may not have existed anymore. Right.
2: Yeah. I think the difference with Apple and Microsoft is that, okay, a- Apple was already hot when the computers was a thing, and then they made this smartphone market. Like, they they made it a thing. Yeah. So they were already hot in one industry. Because it's, it's different if they, like, made their name in the phone because they weren't doing that well with computers. They were doing great in both. So it's kind of hard to see them falling anytime soon.
3: Yeah. So, you know, like today, just to sort of interject, I guess, what I want to talk to you guys about me sort of building my own computer, potentially. Y- you know, like the way I felt when I went to the the Mac, you know, in 2002 or 2003, it's kind of like how I feel about the Mac now or Apple as a company. Right. I and mean, it- it's like part of me. Yeah. The company and the products I like. They're not exactly making everything that I feel I need, but the the thing that is not holding me are the users. <laughs> I feel that that a lot of Apple users are kind of overly arrogant and overly apologetic for Apple, and it, and that is really turning me off. What do you guys think about that?
0: Uh, I'm I'm not aware. Yeah, I'm not too bothered by other Apple users. Yeah, They I mean, would it wouldn't make it any difference right? from.
2: Hmm. Where are you getting this info clip from from stuff you read? People yeah, stuff I read
3: just being being on Twitter. It's just it feels okay. it feels like it feels like um I don't know. There's something about the whole community that I just I like I don't want to be associated with with, with the whole you know, oh ev- everything Apple does is amazing. Like, you know, with the whole like you guys just said, the foldable phone. If Apple does it, it it'll be amazing. But I mean, it either is or isn't a great idea. Now maybe Apple does something that uh, maybe Apple is able to sell it better, or maybe um, maybe they actually have implementations that are slightly better. Uh, but maybe again, make it rollable
0: or something. <laughs> rollable, <laughs> <Instead of> foldable. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be
3: Apple, Apple fruit roll-up. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah. Maybe, maybe maybe they'll they'll take that concept and sort of uh, you know take a stab at sort of the e-cigarette market. <laughs> oh gosh. And you know what? Find like, like a hybrid with- between that there's oh, <laughs> wow. a mobile phone. Just guarantee to be dildo phone cases.
2: Uh oh! Oh gosh! <laughs>
1: oh, he jumped the shark already.
0: <laughs> I'm just saying. Guaranteed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Is that because you'll make them or what?
4: <laughs> Probably.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. I don't know.
3: All right. You know, the thing is that, like, like right now, I, I actually do need. Uh, I need. A better system for my photography. Like <clears throat> my my iMac is is aging, um, but at the same time, like I I haven't used Windows since two thousand and two or two thousand and three. So You'll whenever fine, I, I, I I probably yeah. would be. The thing is that whenever I do talk to people about it, it's like, oh gosh, you're gonna use you're gonna go use Windows. Like ugh, like it's almost like it's almost like how animalistic of you. How ugh, how, how could you even you
0: know? You're hanging with the wrong people, people, dude. uh, Honestly, Windows 10 is fine. Yeah. Like, I I remember, you know, uh, previous iterations of of the operating system that were absolutely horrific, but Mm -hmm. Windows 10 is high. Mm -hmm.
3: It is. I mean, guys, I could could build my own computer, and I've actually specced it out. I could build my own computer system with a really good 4K monitor that is actually more... uh, it's actually closer to adobe rgb than the imac is right i could build that mm-hmm. thing for probably the price of the imac or less and have future upgradability like that's the thing that actually gets me and like like that that's what really is almost it's like every week i'm like specking out and thinking i probably should just do it because yeah like i do love i love the way OS ten works, right? Like when I do go to work and I, whenever I, um, I do have to work with the o, the uh, Windows ten part of of the system, like I'm not used to it, and so that's the only thing that's holding me back is that it's not like intuitive for me, you know? Yeah,
1: but you know, with, with every switch to whatever platform, yeah, you're gonna have to readjust and kind of relearn or, mm-hmm. or learn like how to work yep. with that platform, right? right? Right, and the thing is. Just go for it. Or, like, an uh, option which you could also do is, like, uh, Mac has boot right? Does it yeah. still have boot camp? Well,
3: yeah, it, it's not as easy, uh, but I think it still does, yeah. So, yeah, just do like, Windows on there and get used to it. use it
1: Exactly. Or mm. just, you know, cold turkey, just go for it. Like, yeah. the, the thing is, like, what is the thing that is scaring you the most? Like, in the mo- most part, right, you're just going to be doing what you need to do in... The applications you
3: are used to
0: already, right? Besides, uh, I take all, it you you use like Creative Cloud applications mostly. Not
3: anymore. I killed off all of Adobe things. Um, it actually, it's funny. Like just the uh, just yesterday, uh, there's a, a a software that some some uh it's called the Negative Lab, I believe it's called or Negative Lab, and it it takes my scanned images that I took with my phone, my with my camera of my film strips, and it actually makes like. Almost like one click conversion from a of uh, a negative fill uh film strip to like a positive picture like instantly but the problem is that is that it's an adobe uh lightroom plugin which is a software that I basically just like stopped paying for uh but I do have older versions of it, so I put it in there and it really is kind of like like same thing with the with with the mac it is Almost like if I were to leave, and I did try to leave uh, the Mac at one point. I I tried to buy like a a, a old laptop. It's just a keyboard. It's a keyboard. Just the uh, trackpad is just not compelling for me. It's it doesn't feel good, you know. But I wouldn't like. I I think I've given up on laptops. Like I would just go get myself like a, a, either a desktop to build or when the new i new iMac comes out, I would just buy one of those, you know. So mm-hmm. like all of the software that I use, like I use Reaper for our podcast editing that it you know there's a windows version um i use capture one pro for my photography there's a windows version uh all of adobe stuff is they have windows versions i mean i i don't use them but the the options are there um you know what i mean so i don't know
1: what what is keeping you in the mac ecosystem i just love Besides the way that.
3: os x 10 os x 10 to me is i love i love it it's, it i can do i could do everything with this computer with my eyes closed, I know it like the like the back of my hand, you know. Like what? Everything.
1: Like what? Give me an example. I mean,
3: po- po- recording for podcasting, uh, the everything I do on here, every single thing I do is on here. Yeah,
1: but every single about every single thing you can do on your iPhone as well, right? My I iPhone.
2: About, he's the fact he's used to it and he can do it. Yeah, yeah. It's you know I get it. I mean, mm-hmm. when when you do things and your computer is a tool. Um, there is a hindrance in switching and having to learn a new tool because it's going to set you back productively for a while. So mm-hmm. I, I don't take the decision lightly of switching, but um, I think you have a compelling reason to, to try it out. I mean, you want to build a monster mm-hmm. and be able to upgrade it later on, then maybe that's incentive to learn how to use Windows.
3: You know, the one thing that does bother me whenever I do watch people who have, let's say a Windows machine and like they build their own Windows machine and they have an iMac, certain applications, I don't know what the, uh, what OS X does, but certain applications actually are faster on like, not, not gaming wise. I'm not a gamer, so I would be Windows already. But like certain applications are just faster on the Mac, even though like the spe- the spec item that they're using on the Windows machine is better, and so it's like, what is what is happening here? Is OS ten actually, or or the architecture under you know OS ten actually optimizing mm-hmm. things better? Like, are people who are creating these software uh, products actually making them more, uh, you know, more efficient or it's been more way for performance? Was right? that
2: it's been that way for a while? Because the Macs have always been more underpowered than PCs. But they've still become the go-to tools for music and
0: right, living. right. and I was I was MacBooks yeah. in particular; they're they're incredibly tight, tightly mm-hmm. built systems in terms of you know what components they choose, mm-hmm. how they optimize it, uh, and it's not fast. So great, yeah, it's probably right. something like it's it's probably not. Yeah, yeah.
3: If I were to if I were to see people just like showing that oh my gosh this this uh process is done you know like okay, if I were to use Final Cut Pro if that was my main tool or if I were using um the, uh Final Cut uh or what's the other what's their um, why am Premier? I drawing a blank I yeah pr- no not uh, the Mac the Mac uh Final Cut and why am I drawing a blank on the other software
2: <laughs>
3: no Premiere is Adobe um.
1: Oh, the Apple software.
3: Yeah, Logic. Logic. If I were using those two things, uh, I would, I would, without a doubt, just stay because the thing is that yeah, you don't have an option of that on Windows, and it's just really a lot. They're fast, they're faster than Adobe's products even. Mm-hmm they are
1: i don't know about logic and i believe logic is actually available on the pc too, no it's not It's not. not, not uh-uh. uh, i'm thinking about a different software but yeah. um pro tools maybe yeah pro tools yeah, is, yeah. pro tools that's the one um yeah of course like the thing about uh final cut for instance is like it's made by apple and they make basically everything around the product you are using right so right. they can like fine-tune everything so it it is actually faster, yeah, and that that's the downside for Adobe, for instance, because they only make the software and they got to make it work for everybody, yeah, whichever system, right? Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, so Under that the pro, like, mm-hmm. I, I try to use it like the other day, a MacBook Pro, yeah, mm-hmm. I really, I just used it for like 10 minutes so. I was like, no, 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 no! I'm not gonna use this ever again. It's so confusing. Yeah, but ten minutes but is not I, enough. Exactly. That, that that's the thing. What I wanted to say is like, yeah. ten minutes, <laughs> no. But like, I really would need to have like at least a full day to like really get
3: how it works. Yeah.
1: Because right. it's n- different from what Final Cut used to be in terms mm. of
3: that. Yeah, yeah. I definitely Final Cut did change, but from from what I understand, people think... People think it actually got better. It actually got yeah. more intuitive. It probably is easier for new people. Like, you're a pro at these type of things, but it's probably easier for newer people to pick it up and, and get going in it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um. So, any final thoughts on the folding phone? <laughs> did we, did we digress that <laughs> quick. Huh?
1: we're
0: talking about.
2: <laughs>
3: I just wanted to put a button on that one. Because
2: <laughs> well, my thoughts are, uh, it's uh, very pricey. Um, yeah. So, I don't know... How they plan to, to do this, I guess they're thinking, let's put it at this price because not a lot of people are going to buy it and hopefully not enough people buy it to make it worthwhile yeah. and make it better. I don't see myself getting it, but I am very, I, I like the fact that it's something new. I don't I don't care what else can come out. I just like to see these ideas being thrown out and something will stick mm. instead of just what we're being left with. Um. So, yeah, yeah. I think it's a good thing. Okay.
1: Ty? Um... That's well, an interesting product, and I, I think the main reason they did it is more like, you know, if we can innovate. We can make a product, we can make an, a, a telephone interesting, man. Mm-hmm. I think that is their take on, like, why they uh, put this phone out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if we are going to continue with this uh, form of a phone, you know, it needs a couple of years to grow Really mature in the market, but mm-hmm. it's an interesting step, and uh, I like it. Okay, Tosh. Yeah,
0: I'm I'm not opposed to the idea, and no, I can see where where it's sort of headed, but where it's at right now at the price point, mm-hmm. um, for you know almost two thousand dollars, you could get an iPad Pro and then some other flagship phone, <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> definitely. Um, yeah. so why not do that? But yeah, you know, if you're kind of of the mindset that it's, it should all be kind of a seamless experience, you know, switching from, you know, phone to I, I, like a uh, tablet and maybe some kind of desktop like experience, um, within the same device. Then yeah, if, if they really make this, um, sort of shine on all fronts, then it might be worth it. But if they don't, then yeah, it's, it's kind of a cool gimmick, but <laughs> not much more.
1: Yeah. That's a good one. I would believe it has DAX on it too. So that basically means you have three devices. Mm. As what? DeX. So DeX is basically uh you can with a small interface, you can hook your phone up to a monitor okay. and then it becomes a desktop uh, yeah. solution. Okay. With your phone as like the hub. The, yeah.
3: The piece of Yeah. Um I don't know. We'll see. Uh I, I don't know I, I think i i i'm slightly bothered by just having companies releasing everything that they can think of like i i, I don't know we'll <laughs> see if it's uh what? <laughs>
1: just say you're buying one man
3: i i wish at that price i i remember i need a new computer <laughs> you're I'd buying that,
2: one man i will ready to buy that first yeah, one.
3: <laughs> yeah it it's we'll see we'll see I, I i'd like to see six years from now uh what what we do have um all right, you know what? So, this ca- have you guys looked at this uh, Canon with their new release uh, Canon RP? Full frame camera. Did you guys look into it? Uh no, I did see.
1: I'm it. not
0: I'm not I'm not in the habit of, of looking into Canon camera.
3: Okay.
0: <laughs> or cameras uh, in general, so no. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Now, because the funny thing about
3: that camera is it's a full frame camera. It's actually a lower priced camera compared to all other full frame cameras. But like the, the YouTube community and all these reviewers have basically slammed this thing for lacking certain things. I mean the the thing is like twelve hundred dollars, right? which is not cheap, but it's cheap for a full-frame camera. Now, full-frame is when a camera sensor is about equivalent of the size of what old 35-millimeter film was, you know, a frame of that. That's what the sensor is. And so, you know, um, before Canon's camera, I think Sony's $2,000 or $1,999 full-frame camera was the cheapest one. And they came out – so Canon came out with this camera – And the YouTubers are all complaining about it's missing this, it's missing that, it's missing this. But for for this price, they're all thinking about this camera as a film video camera rather than as just a photography a photographer's tool like a camera camera, right? Mm -hmm. And and so I like my I I just it's really baffling to me that that yeah, personally, I think if Canon came to me and said to me, hey, you know, we're gonna come out with a a, an affordable full frame camera, I would have told them like. This camera has zero video in it. That's what I told him. I would have told him, put no video in this camera. No, because the thing is that... The thing is that they could then put this camera out for $999. And it would be a really and truly the cheapest full-frame camera. It would be under $1,000. And it would be just like nikon when they came out with a df which was basically just a straight photographer's tool it this would be just a straight photographer's tool now i know everything and everyone wants to be all multimedia multifaceted but sometimes exactly no but sometimes i think just one tool that does one job just really well is really compelling
2: yeah for rich people <laughs> like people <that> have multiple <laughs> most people want one device cuz they're like i'm not going to spend a nine hundred here, and then twelve hundred here, and you know, like, okay. okay, I can go for twelve
3: hundred. Okay, so could you one? imagine? Could you imagine if Canon actually decided? Fine, we're going to make this the cheapest one, and we do it with no video, no need for paying for any licenses, no codec nonsense. Just of you know, for photography alone, let's say seven ninety nine.
1: Wait, what kind of codec licenses?
3: I I don't know. I'm just saying, like video usually co- adds more oh, to the cost of things.
1: No, nobody would do that. We are, in this day and age, we are so focused on, like... So, basically, you're jumping on board
3: now with these YouTubers. You're agreeing, well, if they're going to do it, do it all the way. Because the thing is that they crippled the video capability of this thing. You might as well just, like, you'd be better off just using your iPhone or your Android phone for 4K stuff. You might as well, because the the quality is probably going to be better for 4K (laughs) stuff.
1: I think, like, uh, it depends on who you are, right? You have your straight photographer... You have a straight videographer and you have somebody who needs to be hybrid and maybe wants to do it on the cheap. If you're a straight photographer, the RP might be actually interesting for you. I don't know what your thoughts are on like is it good good for photography? I think it's amazing. You... Oh, okay. And like in terms of video, if you're a straight video, you have a wider wide range of where you want to go do you want to go cheap you know go with an a7 or something even a6400 or something like that or you want to go red scarlet re <laughs> uh, alexa sort of stuff like that right mm-hmm. and if you're hybrid you really want the best product that does both you want it to make great pictures, but you also wanted to do great video. Right. Mm. And I I don't know where it came from that we all of a sudden went to like, okay, DSLRs need to have video, too. I kind of guess why they did it. But like,
3: (sighs) I I, I get why they did it. But why do we have to keep doing it? That's my, my question
1: because th- there's no way back <laughs> th- there's a problem
3: the thing is that like don't you think that if the camera was like let's say under a thousand dollars and it was they just said hey we're it's just a photographer's tool that's it Do you don't think that that would be compelling i mean the re- it's basically the rebel remember the, the the canon rebel it's the canon rebel of a mirrorless line for full frame that's what it is i,
1: I think the only people who, like you would discard so m- much people everybody who might want to do video is not going to buy it straight up okay
2: right yeah i mean I, I guess i understand both of y'all sides i mean clay i guess for the purists they could do that but they also have to think about how many they are going to sell i mean if, if clay is going to buy one and 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 that's it and they're not going to make so hmm. um it, it, they just need to be and i'm sure they researched that but you're the you can also make the point or someone can make a counterpoint to you clay and say Hey, I think Apple should just make a phone that makes calls only
4: for
2: it. <laughs> just, just. I mean, why does everything need to have everything? You know, but no one would buy it.
3: <laughs> but Samsung actually came out with a candy bar for you know, candy bar phone that only makes calls. Yeah,
2: I'm, those things exist still. I understand. Yeah, that. I know
3: the things that the things that there are people who are actually leaving this world of being overly connected. They're leaving it. They they yeah. actually the hipsters. They want to be disconnected.
2: Oh gosh. <laughs> call else. I think it became offensive, isn't it? Hipster? No. Hipster,
3: is it? Okay, sorry. Sorry, hipsters. I didn't it mean used to call to you hipster.
5: cool.
3: <laughs> <clears throat> I don't know. I, I mean, sometimes I think, you know, like we're talking about this whole foldable phone thing. Stick, to, st- you know, figure out what people want. I mean, Nikon tried it. The problem is that it was not cheap. Um, If it was cheaper, I, I have a feeling that they would sell more of it. Now, Better this camera, they're aiming.
1: Huh? Nikon tried to do the same thing as the RP.
3: Nikon has a a, a camera called the Nikon DF, which is only it mm-hmm. has no video capability, uh, and it's okay. a beautiful camera. It actually the c- images that it creates are amazing. Um, but again, it was not cheap. If it was, let's say, if it was cheap, I w- I would have loved to seen. I would have loved to have seen what people would do with that, because a lot of these people who do video, they have two cameras, anyways, right? They usually, I mean, all these YouTubers have more than one camera. One taking a video of them taking a picture. <laughs> Right, so I don't know. Yeah,
1: true. Like the YouTubers, they have way too much money to, you know, they, they can buy for everything. They can I'm buy. I'm talking about camera. successful
2: YouTubers here, right? Yeah, yeah. there's a bunch of yeah. bum YouTubers that make no money. Yeah, I mean,
3: heck, I have a YouTube okay. channel, and I'm not, I'm not making all that money. <laughs> I, I'm making nothing.
1: <laughs> I
2: have an idea for
3: a YouTube channel, but we're going to talk about that. Okay, let's hear it. Let's talk about it in the next episode. You can do it. We're going to have a big 100 coming up, so maybe you should write write your notes yeah. up for that episode. No? Sure. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Tosh, what do you think of the idea of this RP being uh, just a single photography device?
0: Because um, your point is that that way they could drive down the price a little bit further and right. have a really compelling device. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Sure. Why not? Because
3: the thing is that the YouTubers are all pissed off with it, and and they're thinking of a video camera
0: more. Than uh, who, ca- who cares? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder
2: how many YouTube videos you watch of them flaming this thing I in- <laughs> <It's> like <laughs> so even like, that a YouTube wormhole.
3: Well, the, the thing is that I I was I was excited by the camera, and so I was like, wow, you know, something at this price is amazing. And then I go to look Hello. at the videos, and I'm like, wow, okay. I I think the average user would like this camera, but they're all thinking about their own use cases, of course, you know. Okay.
0: Do they make up such a big demographic, though? Of people who well, they influence buy people. But well, they influence? They, they do influence.
3: Yeah, they're influencers, so, you know. I have a question. Mm.
2: Did you find any positive videos
3: on it? Yeah, one one positive video, and the, the one um, and the guy was saying. Um he doesn't understand why you know it, most people would be fine with 1080p which is true most people would be everyone is uh, everyone's about specs right so Yeah I know Yeah
2: I stop being about specs
3: Yeah me, me same here All right uh Dick any final thoughts on the RP
2: Um I, I think it's great did this both <laughs> sorry sorry Yeah <laughs> I, you know what? I'll say this. I wasn't going to buy it at $200 cheaper anyway. So <laughs> they whether it does film or not,
4: it's, uh-huh.
2: I'm still not going to buy it. You're not
3: going to buy it. Okay. No. Gotcha. If it was
2: $400, bucks. i will buy it.
3: Yeah. $400 owed the door. Okay. <laughs> Camera
2: gotcha. only. Pictures only. I'll buy for $400.
3: Yeah. Okay. I would too. I would buy a couple. Um, <laughs> Ty, any final thoughts? On the RP? Yeah.
1: Uh, I haven't looked too much into it. So I don't know.
3: Or just the idea of the you know the still only uh, uh, I guess not really compelling.
1: I don't know. I don't know. Okay. For me personally, no.
3: Okay. Well, yeah. You you're, you do videos, so yeah, yeah. yeah okay. Cool. Uh, Tosh, any final thoughts? No. Okay. Cool. So this week we are going to discuss. Well, you know, I was trying to figure out what episode we discussed this fire festival on.
0: It's probably somewhere in 2017 then, because uh, I I remember you know finding out about this on twitter sort of as it ha- as it was, was happening, happening. Yeah. yeah yeah
3: so it's amazing i mean uh, someone give him give the listeners a recap real quick of what started what happened who uh, me yeah go ahead
0: i <laughs> <laughs> to start okay <laughs> well yeah so fire festival is uh this uh music festival that was uh organized by uh billy mcfarland together with his partner in uh in crime <laughs> to kind of promote this app that they were building right the sort of uh um app that would allow people to book famous artists. It's actually you know, not a bad idea. Like, yeah, it's not a bad idea. And I think actually the, the 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 company, the sort of the core company was was kind of on the way to something big, but it's kind of the festival that <laughs> put an end to all of it, I I believe. Yeah, I think so. Um but yeah, so to promote this app they uh they organized this festival and they and they went way overboard with their ambitions. They wanted to you know host it on this island in the Bahamas that was impossible to build an infrastructure on um they they completely overmarketed and uh sort of uh, you know misled their um their their audience into you know thinking it was this was going to be this super luxurious. Uh, experience where they really couldn't deliver and this this billy McFarlane character for some odd reason was able to you know um come up with millions and millions of dollars in funding from left and right i don't know from where and how um and yeah so, sort of um use one uh, sort of uh, ca- capital injection to do something else uh that was completely you know uh, sort of not feasible um sort of blow the money on that and then sort of, you know sort of a shell game that uh in the end sort of collapsed onto itself and uh yeah you know the the people who bought tickets you know at outrageous prices to this festival they very quickly price? discovered do you remember i don't like, yeah. know could okay. probably anywhere from you know uh, several thousands to maybe tens of thousands yeah
3: i think it started at, i think it started uh, at 500 and then up to like some several crazy thousands
0: yeah because you, you could get a package where you get this private villa on, on the island <laughs> yeah where yeah. <laughs> they, they, they 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 sold all of that before they even know if they had access to any you know, pr- prime housing, uh, or, or they even have to move islands at the last minute. They did. Yeah. Right.
3: Yeah. At one point, then they the, then they, like a couple of times, right? Yeah. The couple of times. Cause actually the first time that they, when they were saying, uh, in the promotions, it was Pablo Escobar's Island, the, f- the, uh, lawyers or something said to them, uh, they, they couldn't do that. And so they kicked him out because of that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> Uh, and even uh, he, i think to investors he bluffed this billy mcfarland that that he did actually own the the island right right mm-hmm. unbelievable okay so yeah i I'm once the first uh you know group of 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 um, of audience or or t- you know ticket buyers uh arrived on, on on these this island and you know nothing was ready They had a big storm the the night before, so everything was soaking wet. (laughs) Uh, They didn't have enough tents erected for, you know, the amount of people that that was going to be there. So it was this complete lord-of-fly situation that, uh, yeah, got completely out of hand. I I think, you know, after the first wave of people that landed on the island, the rest had to be sort of held at the airport, weren't allowed to enter the country. It's crazy. uh, And had to, uh, yeah. Had to fly back, or stay. They, they I believe, they actually stayed for a lo- had to stay for a long time at the airport before they were able to uh, to catch a plane back to Miami, where they came from. So um, yeah, all in all, was was a huge disaster. Yeah, yeah. And they made a movie about it. Two two movies. But, yeah, yeah one yeah. on Hulu, right? Yeah, Hulu. There is. I the saw I
3: saw
4: things, them both, wanted,
2: by the way. I saw another one. I think there's another one that exists because I, I don't remember having Hulu ever, Oh. But, there's something else on it, might be on YouTube. This is probably over a year ago,
3: yeah. But this guy, this guy is something else. I mean, he he, f- he really thought he was going to, you know, he started with that, that uh, m- what is it, Mysterio card? What was it called? Magnesis, uh-huh. yeah, yeah Magnesis card,
2: which is well, basically, the thing is, I think it's a bright guy. I think, uh, this is the deal with this whole situation. He obviously is ambitious, he he. He has ideas and, for the most part, can execute some of them. So he he thought maybe he could just do anything. Hmm. But the attitude he had when putting this together, which is like keep moving forward, keep moving forward, we're going to get it done. That's the kind of mentality you need to have to be successful, except for we only hear about those people that actually have that attitude and make it. And the ones that, that fail, which I'm sure there's a lot of them you don't hear that much about.
0: But the thing is and that... At, but, 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 for, but with him, it was a little bit more than, you know, this go get him attitude. It's also, uh, like, a very problematic character. Yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah but, I, I mean, yeah. He he was, and I'm sure a, a lot... I mean, a lot of successful people are are problematic. Not all, but a lot of them are. And I mean, they, the, the, but he, they... Hmm?
1: Yeah, but getting funny based on the lies is not a way to go. Yeah, I know. I mean, and... <laughs> In terms of like the concept, you know, like beginning of the documentary, I was like, okay, it's a great idea. You know, you get all these top of the line models get great marketing behind it great video great but man when i heard it was like six weeks to deadline i was like
0: yeah no but you you, you know what it is when you're a first time organizer for such a thing you don't you don't you 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 test the water first right (laughs) (laughs) right to try something stateside first yeah no not not a huge venue Uh, uh
1: yeah that's true and, like
2: Key West you
1: know or like get somebody <laughs> who knows the business
2: well the, but the,
1: the, basically the guy who was uh, responsible for like organizing he didn't have any experience in it right,
0: right. The, the guy who did the booking and stuff uh right. even GM, the guy yeah yeah Grant the
1: booking, but there was a different guy who was like
3: uh yeah, Grant. Uh, was it Grant? Yeah. So you're saying you're saying that you don't think it was Grant who was the who was the promoter? Oh, who's? Then he put Grant in charge of a lot of things.
1: Uh, there was one guy who did the booking, right? Like uh, he booked Major Laser. Not that guy. Oh.
3: oh guy. Okay. Okay. But well, like, the, the problem I have with, with, um, with Billy is that there were people who told him that things couldn't be done in a certain time frame. And basically, he just mm-hmm. says, hey, you know, pass your credentials on to this next person they're taking over. You know what I'm saying? Like, so yeah. there were many a times where people were like, wait, you're going to do this in six months? That's impossible. It, 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 years even, not enough time. And it's like, well, hey, I'm letting you go now. You know? So he was delusional.
1: Yeah, but like, it wasn't even six months, right? It was six weeks.
3: No, no, but I'm just saying. From the time that it was six months, people were saying that, like, looking at what they're working with, like, they're saying this is impossible. You're not going to be able to pull this off.
0: Yeah, yeah. The, for the for instance, the the pilot, the flight simulator guy. Right. Yeah. He, uh, <laughs> he, <laughs> he he very <viriles laughs> oh kind of <laughs> catched on to yeah, this is not feasible at all. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> crazy. Yeah. Yeah. But I guess that they, they just shrugged it off as, uh, yeah, this, he just had a bad attitude. <laughs>
2: no, he's probably like, your your negativity is not needed. Yeah,
0: exactly. Exactly. Check yourself at yeah, the one door. One of
2: those. One of those. I'm I'm thinking positive, it's gonna happen. And now he's in prison.
0: Jeez. Yeah. Go figure.
2: <laughs> I think his first misstep, if we're back to a fire, is having Jarul. <laughs> so
0: like, well, well, what what did ja Rule do though? Like <laughs> his name. That's it. it was,
2: yeah just attach was, yeah, his but name it's a terrible name to have though
0: you
2: know? <laughs> <laughs> like that shows you you're not on the level of where you need to be if jarul is your your connection well,
3: jarul is the only sucker who said yes probably
2: jarul proved to be a super lame in this
3: <laughs> yeah and jarul is actually jarul at, at one point said that the idea was his and now he's being sued and he's like no, I got I got taken too, and it's like, dude, like seriously. Now all of a sudden you're in a bail now. When when just not right. too long ago it was also your idea. You were, you know, if this was going to be one of these moonshots that actually landed, he would be so on top of this. Yeah. Like, yeah, you know, I came up with this fifty percent or maybe seventy five percent, whatever. A part
2: two. He's planning a music festival. Ja Rule.
3: By yeah, yeah, with someone else though, right?
2: Yeah, but still, I would like, hope why so. Why would you? <laughs> why would you? Uh, I, I guess he learned something. I, I don't know. I, I just who, think who, at that, this point though, who would want to work with him? I wouldn't. Right, exactly. That's that's what I'm thinking. Uh, but on the bright side, Andy has uh the suck dick for water guy. Uh, he has. <laughs> <laughs> he has gotten like the most. Attention, and because of that, he did you hear about
0: the GoFundMe's? He, he started to pay some of the people back. Yeah, they got over two hundred thousand. Yeah, right, has been, it's been cr- pretty successful. Like the lady uh, who the was yeah. in charge of all the catering and yeah. stuff, right? She uh, Yeah, I felt so that, when She that, that, said that, that she some... gave a fifty grand of her it's own.
4: Crazy, money. yeah. That's yeah.
0: Crazy. And that's the real strategy of it all. Like, okay, yes. those those festival goers, they had a pretty bad experience. Fine, but uh, all of this was done uh, sort of over the backs so, of. Of these yeah. uh, Bahamian workers, mm-hmm. uh, slave labor really.
2: <laughs> Think yeah. about it; mm-hmm. they they work for no pay. Yeah. I understand you are paying for something and you don't get what you paid for. At least you had the money, but you did yeah. you don't work for no pay. That's crappy.
0: And and you know that that pipe dream was was sold to them too. Like for yeah. five years in uh, in a row, we'll have this great festival here, and it's going to bring a lot of revenue to you know uh, to the Bahamas yeah they were cheated out of that as well mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. but the thing I can't comprehend is like even like twenty four hours before they were still not done, and like <laughs> why aren't you saying like, yeah, you know what? sorry, we effed up, <laughs> get your money back in, whatever, don't come, but no, they loaded up they got a, they got their own plane
0: well it was was probably again Billy just. Not wanting to give up.
1: <laughs> but like, at one point, you gotta be realistic, though.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's probably the one thing that I find most problematic about the documentary, at least the Netflix one. I, I haven't seen the Hulu one that you kind of see all of the people involved in that festival sort of washing their hands of all blame and, and sort of, uh, you know, portrayed as them being completely cheated by, by Billy, where, you know, they could have done something. <laughs> they could have been like, you know, way, way down the line somewhere. Uh, I don't know. Uh, this doesn't feel right. Or I don't think this is possible. I don't think this is going to work. Yeah. yeah. And either say, okay, um, how do we solve this? Or say, okay, later, I'm out.
3: <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. But yeah, this is really unbelievable. I mean, this is like, you can't make this. It's this like reality TV you can't make up, man. <laughs> you can't script this.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh. It's delicious. <laughs> <laughs>
3: And the number of lawsuits are ridiculous. Yeah, I'm surprised no. not, every, not all four thousand plus people are suing. I, I'd be, I mean, really, they they and and of course all all of the the lawsuits that do that are won. There's no money to be had. I mean, all the money is gone. Yeah. It's sunk it.
0: all yeah. On. It's, it's, it's kind of was there any money to begin with? You know.
4: Yeah, it's crazy.
0: If if it's just one one sort of. Um, investment being used to pay for this other investment being paid to, being used to pay for this other investment. <laughs> it's like there's no real value behind this, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, unbelievable.
3: Uh, all right. Well, we are almost there. So, any uh, any final thoughts that we want to want to express on this uh, this this event? I mean, I'm pretty sure we're gonna. I he's he's banned. Uh, Billy is banned from doing any of this ever again. But He has, according to the Hulu documentary, he was behind some other uh, sort of scams that were happening, right? I mean, he he hasn't given up. (laughs) Right.
0: Look, for for a businessman who doesn't seem to have anything like really uh sort of profitable i mean they say magnesis is profitable but w- w- he's not really producing any value you know right yeah but still is is able to throw all this money around there, there has to be something shady involved there yeah or he's just this amazing sort of um i don't know expert manipulator or, you know, that has this charisma that where he's able to just, uh, you know, uh, talk people out of their money. But you would have to be... <laughs> when, you, when you see footage of him, it doesn't seem to be that guy. <laughs> yeah, no. know.
1: <laughs> uh, just to put it in Dutch, I can little else bruch,
2: Yeah, ex- <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
1: you know what? Also an interesting part is, like, at the end, with the what was it? NYCC, tr- basically trying to email people to scam them in buying tickets for this and that and stuff right. like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. While he was on bill for this on thing. Bill. <laughs> <Yeah>. Wow! <laughs> like
1: really? How can you do that, man? Like, no nah.
0: Yeah, I don't think he has any
2: sh- scruples. Right. So, uh, you know, he's not a an up and up guy. Um, he's he's a huckster. Yeah. Shyster, and uh, I'm glad he got the attention, you know, by getting this documentary made. Um, so.
3: so, so the Hulu, Hulu Hulu documentary actually paid him, and then the Netflix documentary I found out oh. actually actually paid uh paid the uh the the company that did their social media stuff or their I yeah, guess their say, marketing what stuff. Say
0: the, say the company's name, Clay. <laughs>
3: oh, what was the name of the company? <laughs> Fuck Jerry! Oh,
0: that! Oh. <laughs> oh! yes, yes, yes! I forgot.
3: Yes, that was his company. Yes, yes. Well, they're the ones who got uh, yeah. paid,
0: right? That, that, that that's also a little bit, I don't know. Yeah. Questionable. Yeah. Exactly. Because they're 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 actually the ones that that kind of sold this whole thing, uh, right? Yeah. Exactly. So yeah. for them to say, hey, yeah, we didn't know, we whatever, but
3: but pay us, pay us for this documentary, please. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. This
0: whole thing, I mean, it's, wow.
2: Okay, any of y'all have Hulu? I do they have Hulu in Holland? Uh, I don't believe so.
0: Nah, I think you can only get it through VPN or something. Oh,
2: uh, just a quick point I want to make is I hope that that the DC Universe streaming service fails. I don't mm. know if y'all get. They're it. starting
0: a streaming service.
2: They already did. Which, what? what is it called? Like DC Universe. Oh, uh, I had not all, idea. All no idea. No, really, no. you never saw the the trailer for the Teen Titans where uh, Robin's like. Fuck Batman.
0: No? No. <laughs> no? <laughs> I haven't seen
2: it. Maybe we have to discuss this some other time. <laughs> but the <laughs> no, DC Universe has a streaming service. My point is that I need it to fail because, or else we're going to run into a world where there's too many streaming services. There, it's <laughs> happening,
4: it's
2: though. Kind of, I know. I mean, look it, at Netflix. It, it,
3: Netflix just lost all of the Daredevil and all of those shows because of Martin, uh, uh, what's it called? Disney doing their streaming service. It's happening.
2: That's
3: why I thought it was because of ratings. No, the Daredevil was doing the ratings.
0: The ratings weren't weren't bad. So yeah, so So they're all gonna go to or they're all gonna go to Marvel instead. Well,
3: all those things are, you know, those things were, I guess, done through Fox, I believe, or whoever had a deal with Marvel before Disney came in.
0: I think it was Fox. Yeah,
3: it was Fox, yeah, right? My, yeah.
2: I'm asking, are they gonna be taking those? Shows I don't know, through?
3: but the thing is that I hope, I
2: hope
0: so. Though they're good properties,
3: they are good properties. The the thing is that I have a feeling that if a Disney property is on Netflix, even if they're not gonna do it on their own thing, it's like, well, we could eventually, according to them, probably we could eventually create something Daredevil later. But if there's already Daredevil here on Netflix, how do we do that? Yeah, you know what I'm saying. So mm-hmm. I don't, I don't quite know.
2: I want to urge. The buying public to dictate how this goes, and that is by not. So let's say, because you know, DC's having their own, and they may be, I guess, taking their DC shows on there. But if we, if that fails, and if uh, you know, Marvel, well, I guess Disney will not fail though. But if we, if we let these other offshoots fail, then they have to rethink and then consolidate again and go back to the way things used to be but i think people are just gonna get nickel and dimed out of a 10 bucks here per month and 10 bucks there per month till they're paying just as much as cable <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah you know and
3: and dc is owned by warner brothers right i so, think so yeah so i mean this is basically warner brothers doing it right and do warner brothers has definitely deeper pockets than your average uh company so I, I, I yeah I think it's a terrible idea. It man. is a terrible idea, but that's what's happening. So basically we're we're moving away from cable subscriptions and cable uh companies and all that sort of stuff. Uh, well, they're not we're, they're still there, but people are moving away yeah. from it to actually creating their own cable packages, right? By doing this sort right. of buy this stream here, buy this stream there, you know. So Hate to but, say it,
0: but but the, the DC starting on thing doesn't mean they're pulling all of their stuff from the CW and whatnot, they probably will. But it's since it's
3: CW owned by Warner Brothers,
2: uh, I would say they were closely related,
3: I thought so too. Um, yeah, um, question. yeah, Warner Brothers, I think, does own uh CW, all oh, right. So then, okay. yeah,
1: well, it would be smart for them to keep it there, you know, yeah, know.
2: probably just have just offer their streaming service and not on mm. Netflix, which just kind of sucks for Netflix because. They're the ones that everybody has. I think people just need to start having group of Like, you know, uh, five or five to seven people have different subscriptions, and then they all share the user names. So should do
3: it. So actually, CW is a joint venture with Warner Brothers and CBS Corporation.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Joint
4: venture? Okay.
3: Yeah. That's interesting.
1: I actually wonder whether Disney is going to be successful. Probably. It's Disney. <laughs> yeah. They print exactly. money. <laughs> but, like, the thing is...
2: I hope not. I hope it fails. I don't care who loses <laughs> their job. I'm just saying. It's getting out of hand.
3: Yeah, it is.
1: Because, like, I heard something that, like, because Hulu is also part of, like, the One of others, right?
3: Yeah, Hulu is, of course, a consortium, actually, of yeah, a bunch of exactly. them. Yeah, exactly. But,
1: like, basically, Hulu is going to be, like, the arm that has, the like, the non-Disney stuff and the more mature stuff. And then Disney's going to go to the, like, more... Family stuff, but like,
0: because uh, Hulu's you know mainly has like NBC type program, programming, right? Yeah, TV, TV shows, right?
2: Yeah,
1: they have so like you know, a few movies and they network, have their own network, stuff TV now, shows. But yeah, yeah. I don't know, I mean, it's, 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 it's getting ridiculous. Provide us with uh TV shows uh, as well, you know, or is it just gonna be Disney IP? I have no idea, if it's just gonna be Disney IP. Is it gonna be interesting? I guess if they pull everything from every service, it's going to be interesting. But they
3: have been pulling things from every service. I mean, there yeah. are a lot of things that Disney had on other things that are not there anymore.
0: Yeah, exactly. Star Wars is part of Disney now, remember?
1: <laughs> Star Wars, yeah. The
0: whole Marvel Universe. Yeah. yeah. They have some tricks up their sleeve. They do.
2: I think the only people that are justified this to charge for streaming services are the ones that were always charging HBO, Showtime, Cinemax even with cable. You are paying separately for those.
3: Yeah, yeah. So
2: it's not a new thing to be paying for that. It's not for access to it. But for everyone to be doing it, nah, I'm I'm good on that. I'm just gonna have to pirate and not get anybody. <laughs> it.
3: And on that note, are any final thoughts, guys? If we're gonna wrap up.
2: Yes, let's wrap it up. <laughs> nope.
3: All right, Ty. Any final thoughts? Uh, no, not really. Okay, Tosh.
0: Well, I'm. I'm. I'm I really want to go watch the Hulu documentary now.
3: Yeah, you should, man. You should.
4: <laughs> yeah,
0: just uh, it's 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 kind of the same thing as with the disaster artists. It's like you you can't can't look make away. This stuff up, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that too. But it's uh, yeah. It's just sometimes the truth is stranger than fiction. This oh, is one of those examples for definitely, sure. Yes. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> righty. but uh, yeah. Otherwise, otherwise, cool.
3: All right. And uh, it's been another fun episode, guys. I always love chatting. Ty, Indeed. where yeah, shall man. we find you?
1: You can find me on uh, Instagram and Twitter at ty09. 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 All right,
3: cool. And Tosh, where shall we find you? Uh, Tosh Palak on Twitter. Cool.
2: And Dick? I am off of Facebook and Twitter right now. Mm. And so Instagram. I'm I'm not on there either. I deleted okay. all that stuff. I mean, I'm actually still on there. They're just not on my phone right now, so okay. they get no attention from me. It's just been, I've been getting caught up and then wasting time, so it's just a little break. I mm-hmm. do it every once in a while. Okay, so- um, but I'm I'm there. I'm on those places. Dick daily on uh, well, dig underscore daily on on Twitter. <laughs> daily Beast. Dig daily, daily on IG. dailybeast.com, dot is the the blog, which is. Not very active, but I'll get something up, and uh, that's about it. Okay,
3: cool. All right, and uh, I'm CW daily everywhere. Um, you can find me; just look that up. Um, I'm doing other podcasts like uh, Through My Lens. Um, duh, I've been having a, yeah, some good conversations with people online about uh, about some of those episodes. Um, I've also learned. Guys, it's probably best not to mention other podcasts when you're podcasting. <laughs> yeah.
4: Uh, uh,
0: how so?
3: Eh, most people most people don't really want feedback about their podcast. So, uh, but if you do want to talk podcast about something I'm talking about, just mention me, Clay. I don't mind it. Thanks, everyone. Love you. Hello, everyone. I am so happy to bring you another music owner. And here's
0: Tosh with music owner. For CyberCast 099. I was very happy with the experiment I did last time, where I took an amazing piece of recorded music and discussed the work of some of the main contributors who made the recording shine. I will do the same thing today with a song that is inescapable. Again, I will delve into three musicians that left their mark on this track. Let's see if you can guess the song before the reveal. The first MVP of today is a big one, It's legendary guitar player and hit maker, Nile Rodgers. Nile is of course one of the masterminds behind the band Chic. Aside from writing some of the catchiest tunes ever put to record, Nile cemented his iconic rhythm guitar playing with Chic. There are a few key characteristics to point out. One is his guitar tone. He has this crystalline, piercing, clean sound that's able to cut through any mix. It says a lot that Niall is able to make such an unaffected clean sound so recognizable. This sound comes through very well on Chic Cheer from the Say Chic album released in 1978. In most genres, this would be considered a very thin guitar sound, but it works so well when Nile plays. Second is Nile's sense of timing and groove. He has a relentless 16th note strum that he's able to sustain throughout a song whilst dictating the pattern with his left hand by alternating between muting the strings and fretting chords. This means he has a very firm attack in his right hand but a very loose touch in his left hand. You can hear this in the song I Want Your Love from the same album. thirdly, it's Nile's chord voicings. When I say voicing, I mean the notes that you add to a particular chord, and in Niall's case, the ones that you leave out. Nile tends to play chord progressions that are one step jazzier than your average disco or funk progression. So instead of regular triads, he will add a 7th or an 11th, but at the same time he will strip the chord down by having only the bottom strings ring out. This is key to how Niall sits in the mix. I believe he has great respect for bass players. The late Bernard Edwards, who was the bass player in Chic, was his musical partner for a long time. I think part of the reason why Nile leaves out the lower notes in his chords is to leave space for the bassist to come through. You can hear this great marriage between guitar and bass as well as Nile's jazzy chord voicings on Everybody Dance from Chic's self-titled debut in 1977. (laughs) Finally is Nile's penchant for collaboration as a songwriter and producer. There's a reason why Nile has been dubbed the hitmaker. Apart from his work with Chic, he has helped a wide variety of artists turn good songs into fantastic songs. One of the most obvious examples would be his collaboration with David Bowie on the song Let's Dance. This is a story I've heard Nile tell many times in interviews and masterclasses, but it's worth repeating here. Niall had a chance meeting with David Bowie in 1982 in a hotel cafe in New York. During this encounter, they realized that even though they were worlds apart, they had a lot in common in terms of musical inspiration. Niall was particularly taken with how much into jazz and avant-garde music Bowie was. At this time, Bowie was planning to record his Let's Dance album with his longtime producer Tony Visconti. After meeting Niall though, he felt that he needed to switch things up and ended up having now produced the record at his home in Switzerland. Several weeks into the process, Bowie came into Nal's bedroom with the initial idea for the song Let's Dance.
5: He walked into my bedroom about a week later and he says, nah darling, Um, I just wrote this last night I think this could be a hit, it goes something like this. It's weird because we had just walked around for two weeks, and we had listened to all this really cool music. Everything we listened to was cutting edge and incredible, and to me, this sounded like a folk song—not a bad one, but like just you know, like. And he was singing, "Let's dance." Down, 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 down. So I immediately um, thought that he was pulling a trick on me. I thought he was trying to see if I was just some like sycophantish wacky dude who wanted a paycheck or something. So I said to him in a moment of, I don't know what it was. Maybe it was a moment of brilliance or maybe I was trying to keep my job. I I don't know what it was. But I just said, hey, David, can I do an arrangement? And he went, sure. I was like, whoa, awesome. So uh, I wrote out some charts. And we hired some local jazz guys. and, um, and, And instead of going. I changed my guitar part to, which sounded sort of cool. But it still sounded a little a little folky, because on the guitar, on those frets, you get harmonics. So all I did was move it from just up a half step to. And all of a sudden, I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> like all of a sudden, it went from being live to sort of dead. I like was going, man, this is cool. And then, oh, what I hadn't told you was that David and I had had countless conversations about jazz and about jazz artists and all the jazz people that he liked. So I knew that I could get away with, instead of going, I inver- inverted the whole thing up an octave. I went, and then. I put in a B flat minor 13 chord, which I knew he would love, because he likes that. He would just think that was cool. So I went and he was like, wow, that's my song? I went, yeah, now check this out. So then I just started jamming and started going, After, after I said, well, I think these should be the chord changes. Let's make this the progression. He said, oh, I love it. And I said, cool. We ran to the studio. I had all the charts written out.
0: Now, this is now living up to his hitmaker title. What I love about this story is how it demonstrates Nile's ability to absorb the mindset of an artist and translate it into a musical idea. In this instance, Bowie knew very well what he wanted, but just not how to execute it. It just took a critical and respectful collaborator to nurture Bowie's vision. This is how this came together on the finished version of Let's Dance. testament to the mutual respect between these two artists is Bowie's response to this question.
5: And uh, I remember asking him, David, do you think I made this too funky? And he said, the coolest thing I have ever heard in my life. I cherish these words. I cherish this artist. He's wonderful. He looked at me and went, Naya, darling, is there such a thing? (laughs)
0: This story is significant for today's featured track as well. On this one, Nile is able to insert something unmistakably Nile, but in a way that serves the artist's vision. This brings us to the bass. I always gravitate toward bass when considering MVPs because that's kind of what they are by definition. They sit very low in the audible spectrum, are not expected to do anything flashy, but they do so much to provide the harmonic and rhythmic foundation of a song. The bassist on today's song is Nathan East. Before researching this episode I was not too aware of Nathan East's uh, musical legacy, but more so his signature Yamaha bass guitar. Diving into his discography of course made me realize I actually know a lot of his work. It's almost impossible to select something to play here as East has played bass on records for over 40 years and is still at it. He is estimated to have played on more than 2000 recordings making him one of the most recorded bass players in the world. What plays a big part in Nathan East's success as a bass player, uh, I would say, is his versatility. He has traversed many artists uh, of many genres, from jazz to R&B to rock. I think this versatility really shines through on the song Easy Lover by Philip Bailey from Earth, Wind & Fire, which uh, also features Phil Collins. This song beautifully bridges the gap between rock, soul, and funk. Here East is really holding it down on the bass by providing some nice support to the super punchy guitar riffs and smoothing out the transitions between them. On the pre-chorus you will hear him switch to a tight 8th note groove while the rest of the band builds up to the chorus. It's an extremely humble and thoughtful approach to a bass part. Let's have a listen. On the flashier side of things, we have the Jacksons, as they were called later in their career. Nathan East played on the Victory album, which is a bit of a departure from the bubblegum soul we heard on I Want You Back. Uh, This album came out around the same time as Thriller, and it's the last Jacksons album to feature Michael. It is clearly aiming for a more current and edgy sound. East played on the song We Can Change The World, which features a much more present bass line with a type of throatiness that was common in 80s funk music. Let's have a listen. Oh, 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 I would say Nathan East's versatility makes him a perfect player for a track I'll reveal in a bit. This song, and particularly the album that it's on, attempts to incorporate elements from a wide range of styles and eras. Our last MVP is none other than Pharrell Williams. Even though it's tempting to talk about Pharrell's track record as a producer, he did not produce this song. I'm going to talk about Pharrell as a vocalist. He has a vocal timbre that doesn't have a great deal of presence, but is instantly recognizable. He's obviously no John Legend or Sam Smith, where a lot of the appeal is the technical execution and vocal acrobatics. With Pharrell, it's much more about swagger and attitude. If you approach his vocal performance from that perspective, you actually find that he has a lot of range. Take a song like Jay-Z's Change Clothes from the Black Album. Pharrell perfectly complements Jay-Z's nimble flow with a breezy chorus in his signature falsetto.
5: I ain't a new jack, nobody gon' watch me, snipe uh-uh. me It's less than likely, move back Let I breathe, I Knight The more space I get, the better I write Oh, Never I write, but if ever I write I need the space to say whatever I like Now just change clothes,
4: No, go uh-huh. now I stay fresh, the bought it from the projects And I'ma take you to the top of the globe Let's so go let exchange now, and go uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh.
5: And girl, I promise you
0: when Pharrell sings in his falsetto, he reminds me a lot of uh, singers like Smokey Robinson. Now contrast that with his work in N.E.R.D. or his earlier Neptune's productions. He's much grittier and darker on those songs. Take a song like Shake Ya Ass by Mystical. Yeah, I took it there. Here Pharrell goes into his lower register to match the raunchiness of the track.
1: Do your thing, don't be scared Cause you gon' get
5: served you Get by, then you gon' get germ About to make your ass love it Razz it up the sugar G-String hustle, hustle. Attention all your plays and pimps Right now in the
4: place to be I thought I told y'all niggas before Y'all niggas can't fuck with me Now this ain't fun, no small booties No sir, cause that won't pass
1: But if you feel you got the biggest one the mama come shake your ass Shake your ass. watch yourself. Shake your ass.
4: Show me what you working with. Shake your ass. watch yourself. Shake your ass Show
0: me what you We also shouldn't forget the skateboard P side of Pharrell. Particularly on NERD, you'll find him towing the line between rapper and singer. On Janelle Monet's latest album, Dirty Computer, Pharrell has a rap verse that takes a now ubiquitous triplet flow and infuses a fair bit of melody. The song is called I Got the Juice.
4: need a
5: yeah, wet, wet, dreaming it, waking up like weaning in it, me and your jeans in it, yeah. Yellow like pee in it yeah. Oh no I mean mean it No it ain't lean in it uh-huh. But it's got a little pink in it uh-huh. Kinda make you wanna drink And it got a little cream in it yeah. But I feel a little bean in it uh-huh. Work me up like caffeine in it Tripping uh-huh. like an extra large But the top is too small Here yeah. let me wipe you off uh-huh. Look this out I can't wait to get you home at all Nah these cup holders are small uh-huh. Can't believe what is in it uh-huh. Tastes like a good time Sh-huh. My brain was foggy in my business yeah. Short term memory fried Brain on What you got girl is tough as shit
1: yeah. Can't nothing else
0: on today's track, we see a lot of Pharrell's sense of vocal delivery. It has swagger, the falsetto, the lower register. In fact, I would say it's one of the best vocal performances that Pharrell's ever delivered. So, we discuss Nile Rodgers, Nathan East, and Pharrell Williams. By now, you must know which track I'm going to play now. No? All right, let's get it. electronic music duo Daft Punk, released in 2013. Where to begin with this one? Before we dive into this track, we should look at the vision for the whole Random Access Memories album. It's clear that Daft Punk were trying to capture a certain aesthetic and sonic quality from the 70s and 80s, but make it sound like something futuristic. This sounds quite similar to what David Bowie wanted for Let's Dance. With that in mind, it makes perfect sense that Daft Punk sought out Nile Rodgers. For Get Lucky, it's safe to say that Nile was instrumental in setting the direction for it. When he was presented with the demo for Get Lucky, he made sure it was stripped all the way down to the drums before fleshing out the guitar part. Daft Punk were in fact trying to pay homage to Chic with this record and were looking for Nile to recreate some of that Chic magic in the studio. And what he delivered is exactly that. Here's Nile again. <music>
5: When Punk played this for me they asked me something magical when I told them that we were recording in the studio that I did my very first Chic single in Electric Lady they said to me damn man how did you guys make Chic records and this was the perfect song for me to demonstrate to them how we did it we take the basic harmony come up with a part. That's very simple. But that's not what I play on the record. I play something more like cheek recorded sound i always have that counterpart going next to which marries to it so i play to groove and jam and and feel free and play free, it also allows me to accompany the other guy. It's like having two guitar players in the band that know what each other is doing. So the end result comes out is get lucky and when I have to play it on stage what I do is I do a hybrid of both parts. So I'll play
0: guitar part has everything I discussed earlier. The crystal clear guitar tone, relentless 16-note strum in the right hand, syncopated pattern in the left, jazzy chord extensions. Above all though, now delivered exactly what Daft Punk knew they wanted, but could never produce on their own. With the guitar part as the new center point of the demo, Daft Punk brought in Nathan East to play bass on it. When he heard it, he instantly understood that he needed to embody chic bassist Bernard Edwards to match the funk coming off the track. That's where a seasoned and versatile player like East can really lift up a track. Because truly channeling Bernard Edwards would be an impossible assignment for most. Here is East playing through some of his bass part. <laughs> laying down a solid foundation but adding just the right amount of flair to make the bass stand out. The song title Get Lucky turned out to be a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy. I don't think anyone anticipated this to become the party anthem that it is. Pharrell ending up on the track is also a complete happenstance. He met Daft Punk at a Madonna party in Paris where they told him about the project. He jumped at the chance of working with them and actually told them he had been inspired recently by Chic without knowing that Daft Punk had already been working with Nile Rodgers. When Pharrell showed up to the recording session for Get Lucky, the track was pretty much in its finished state. Daft Punk asked him to come up with the lyrics for the song, which he says he wrote in an hour. They then went into what Pharrell described as a very perfectionistic vocal recording session, where they asked him to redo specific sections multiple times, so they would have exactly what they wanted. What I find incredible about this vocal performance is how it's laid back, and energetic at the same time. A lot of the forward momentum comes from the fact that the verse melody implies a minor key and is sung in the lower register, or as the chorus melody implies a major key and is sung in falsetto. So let's hear the verse and the chorus back to back.
1: Like the legend of the Phoenix huh?
4: All ends with beginnings.
0: Lucky showcases the different aspects of Pharrell's voice beautifully. His amazing sense of delivery, his swagger, the sultriness he has in his lower register, and the breeziness he has in his falsetto. I also believe that the song was instrumental in engineering Pharrell's career as a solo performer. The main reason why I wanted to highlight this track is because it perfectly demonstrates how music is never made in a vacuum even though this record was produced over the course of 18 months, it really has been in the making for half a century. It is the product of a lineage that traverses funk, disco, house and electronica. It also is the culmination of a parallel journey that all of the people involved were on. And the result is a modern classic that will be played for decades to come. Believe me, this is not the last time you will hear this song.
3: goodness. Tosh knocks these out of the park. Really, really enjoyed this music corner. Thank you so much, Tosh, for doing this. Thank you for sharing your love of music with us. Really enjoy these.
0: Ciao. Ciao. Bye. Return to your regular scheduled programming.
3: It's murder. And Dick jumped off <laughs> with that.
1: Hello, <laughs> hello. Yeah, he said it's murder. Hala he hello. <laughs> oh, he's back. He's back. Uh,
3: uh, Dick, oh, that okay. was perfect. That was perfect timing. It's murder. Did <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought we uh, were all
2: jumping off. <laughs> I don't
3: know if y'all were. <laughs> I'm. I'm gonna stop, Craig. Now. All, all right,
0: gentlemen. He all says right. nothing when he leaves.
3: No, I, you know, I was kind of hoping for, uh, you guys Talk Ciao. <laughs> <That's coming> <laughs> <up>. <laughs> oh, come
0: on. Uh,
2: that guy, the robot.
3: Yeah, Craig.